We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. When Emprise says they're going long, they aren't just talking yardage. They're talking retirement, too. Save for the future you've dreamed of with Emprise Bank member FDIC, our partner in possible. Really appreciative of them and the retirement to uh, to check my 401k after this. Here to help me talk about <laughs> Chiefs Cowboys are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina. Maddie Lane, hello. What's good? Well, the future I've dreamed of is finishing off this no-loss November mm-hmm. with the only game that's actually going to be like a challenge. The only game that matters <laughs> because Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Packers game doesn't count. Giants game doesn't count. The Raiders not a real team. This is the only game in November that actually matters. The Chiefs have to win this one for me to feel better about them going forward, heading off, you know, into the playoff picture. So I'm ready to do this game preview. We're not beating around the bush today. We're getting straight into football because I know that's what you guys want. Right, Craig? Yes. Let's get right into football. Let's go right now. (laughs) Wow. That was the quickest transition in the history of this show very easily. Uh, Let's just go ahead and get into it then. We're going to talk about both sides of football as we always do. Start with the offense, the the clear-cut best side of the ball these days, obviously, duh. Um, And I think one of the things we just need to talk about in general is middle field close coverage. This is something the Cowboys like to run. Uh, This is a staple of their defense. But who knows? Who knows if we're going to see it? What do we think we're getting this week, Maddie? Well, first, I think it probably makes the most sense to take a step back to the Raiders game in which Gus Bradley came out and played pre-snap, showed a lot of middle field close coverages, and so when the Chiefs came out and had a big offensive game, you have a lot of people trying to, you know, poo-poo on the fact that they figured things out because Gus Bradley didn't do what everybody else was doing. Well, yes and no. Yes, the Raiders came out and played a lot more, you know, single high looks at the pre-snap, but they still were playing with a safety in the high hole. It's not like they were rolling a safety down all the way into the box like he's Cam Chancellor from the, you know, 2015 Seattle Seahawks. It wasn't that style of defense. It was the same style of defense that the 49ers played against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl that slowed them down for a few quarters. It's the same style of defense that Gus Bradley has played with the Chargers against the Chiefs that slowed them down. It's very similar to a lot of the two high stuff with a safety rolling down to play that robber coverage. So it wasn't completely different from what the Chiefs have been seeing. It just didn't look the same pre-snap. The Dallas Cowboys have Dan Quinn, who comes from this same tree. 
And much like Gus Bradley, he still prefers to base out of this single high stuff. He still prefers to run a lot of cover one and a lot of cover three. I would say he branches out a little bit more than Gus Bradley does, but he still likes to play this middle field close stuff. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he follows the same path that Gus Bradley did, where it's still going to be single high pre-snap. They're going to play with the safety and the high hole to the weak side to kind of cut off some of those crossers, but it won't be a true too high look or if he'll do what a lot of other defenses have done this year that slowed down the Chiefs, just base out of two high safeties, both playing equal distance from the line of scrimmage, so that way you don't know where the guy rolling down is coming from. It's just, it's going to be fascinating because Gus Bradley, you know, former colleague of Dan Quinn from same coaching tree, didn't do that. Will Dan Quinn learn from that mistake, or will he still rely on what he does best already? I mean, he he should learn from that mistake if we're being real here. <laughs> they, like, I mean, t- take some keys and realize what's going on. Yeah, lots of cover one, lots of cover three. Um, I, I do want to say that, yeah, they they do a little bit better job of disguising it. You do get to see some of that, some of that Fangio too high even stuff where they roll that or, you know, spin that safety down real late, like basically as the snaps come in and he's either fitting the run from deep or, you know, he's able to react to the release of the receiver there and make a move from that point. So I, I do think that you're going to see a little bit more varied looks. I mean, and that's what's beat, been beating the Chiefs. It's not as simple as, you know, here, here, and they just stay there the whole time. It's it's a lot of the spin. It's a lot of the rotation. It's a lot of the extra stuff that makes Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, especially with all those option routes, have to take an extra beat to read some of this. It leads to some disjointedness overall. But the Cowboys have shown some of that, so I don't think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be as simple as – oh, they came in, they're a cover one, cover three heavy team, and this is completely unexpected that they're going to run some of these, you know, two high looks pre-snap like it has been with some other teams that the Chiefs have played this year, and they were clearly caught out by it. Uh, Dan Quinn has shown a little bit of that. It's been a while back. They haven't played a very dynamic offense in a little while. I mean, I was kind of hoping the Falcons were going to put up a little bit more of a fight this past weekend so we could see some of that coverage bag, but they basically stayed in their cover one, stayed in their base stuff a lot more often against the Falcons. I am anxious to see if we see a little bit closer to what the Chargers presented and the, the sort of adjustments that Dan Quinn made in that game in week two where they ended up playing a lot of quarters in that game so a lot more quarters than they have previous to that point and since that point so they do have some wrinkles they are on tape i'm not sure that they're going to get caught out by them necessarily but i'm also not sure that it's going to be a tailored game plan to beat something as readily as it was last weekend with gus bradley when the chiefs clearly knew it was coming and clearly knew how to attack it from from the right from the beginning of the game one of the pieces of the formula of all these, you know, the middle field closed coverages and teams that have, you know, that they base out of that have really, I mean, one of the, one of the pieces of that formula has always been pass rush, <laughs> having dudes up front and getting home with four. Uh, and there's been some attrition up front for the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. Um, you know, they, they, you know, we'll, Demarcus Lawrence on IR, um, you know, they've got some, they still got some guys that are playing decent up front, but one of the big questions Pending all this is Micah, Park- Micah Parsons, the all-world rookie linebacker who has lined up in a variety of spots for this team. He's lining up as a true pass rusher, playing off ball. Um, he presents some challenges 
uh, just knowing where he's at on the field at all times. I'm curious where you think he's lining up this week, Matty. I'm not sure. I think if the Dallas Cowboys were smart, they would get him pass rushing as much as possible, especially under the assumption that's going to be against Andrew Wiley. I do think that Micah Parsons has the kind of speed and burst around the edge that could really mess with Patrick Mahomes' deeper drops. Like I do think that is a, a good spot to put him into. I think that is what really fits his pass rush kind of skill set. He's a great blitzer. Like he's even better as a blitzer than he is as a raw pass rusher. But if you want to give him a matchup that is really good as a pass rusher, just let him run fast and deep off the edge. So I could see Micah Parsons actually having a similar game like he did against the Chargers in week two, the game that you know Craig already referenced, where he is mostly used as a pass rusher. I will say though, if that's the case, if you get Micah Parsons as a pass rusher over and over again, that second level of the Cowboys team. Not very good in coverage. And not that Micah Parsons is great in coverage, but he's at least a freaky athlete and he can cover a lot of ground. Watching Leighton Vander Esch or Keanu Neal move in space is painful. It's not good. Those guys really struggle getting out in coverage and in space. So wherever Parsons is, whether it's as a pass rusher or as an off ball, you just kind of got to be able to avoid him if you're the Chiefs. You have to figure out where he is and play against that weakness because I think there's going to be a significant weakness wherever he's not at. Yeah, there's uh, <laughs> when we did the draft stuff this past year, Michael Parsons was our number six overall prospect. And coming out, yeah, there was a lot of off field stuff with him and things like that. But leading up to the draft, there's a lot of conversations about, yeah, I'm not sure that this guy is as good as everybody's making him out to be, and all of that. And my goodness, I, he's been phenomenal. He really has been. The level that he's played at off wall linebacker and the level that he's played as defensive end right now, he should be the leader in both of those positions for the defensive, you know, positions, defensive team of the year right now. He's been that good at both positions. So it doesn't really matter where Dan Quinn lands him, lines him up. He's going to have success. He is going to win. I do think that if he is on the line of scrimmage, that, benefits the Chiefs more. It's going to be a little bit easier for them to maybe tailor a game plan around going away from him or putting him in conflict or you know asking him to play more mentally fast than he typically has to be as a defensive end for as good as he is. He's still a linebacker that's having to spot fill for a defensive end. And like Maddie said there, that second level then all of a sudden gets much less athletic. It gets much much worse overall and we've seen what happens when that second level isn't particularly good in some of these middle of the field close schemes as we saw last week you might have a little more space biting on play action you might be able to get a little more horizontal stretch these guys out try and get them in space chasing a running back it benefits the chiefs if michael parsons plays at defensive end even though i fully expect like maddie for him to have plenty of success at defensive end, especially if he's going up against a backup right tackle. Parsons is probably even better than the number six prospect in this class at this point, <laughs> which is saying a lot. I mean, he's been really, really good, utilized really well. And, I mean, he's the guy you got to know. He's the guy that can wreck a game for the Dallas Cowboys. He is the game wrecker on the defensive side of the football for them, down to down their best defensive player. There is some guys that might be a little bit more boomer bust 
in the back end of that defense, including a big playmaker in Trevon Diggs. Uh, another early, another early draft pick, and another recent draft pick that's panned out for the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys secondary, just the cornerback position, actually has 13 interceptions on the year. Eight of those are Trevon Diggs, but still Anthony Brown, Jordan Love have both gotten their hands on multiple interceptions this year. Between just the three of them, the three starting corners, they have another 14 passes that they've broken up. So like they've actively gotten their hands onto. This secondary gets their hands on the football a lot. They also give up a lot of yards. These guys play aggressive. They play not only aggressive at the line of scrimmage, but they play aggressive to the ball in the air. They try to undercut every route which is bold, seeming as we've talked about here, they play a lot of single high stuff. There's not always a ton of help over the top. And these guys live to play in phase, to undercut or cut off any in or out breaking route. So they do flirt with danger a lot. They can be beat. The problem is as soon as you make one mistake, you misplace one football, you make one bad read. This secondary is making you pay as good, if not better than any other team in the league. Maybe not the best matchup for a Chiefs team that has had a a fair amount of unluckiness so far this year it's going to take a little bit more precision a little bit more just focus to avoid this or these Cowboys secondary will come up with plenty of big plays yeah they're going to jump on everything that's part of the way that they've been trained that's part of the type of player that they've got in the secondary there but when you're in man coverage that leaves you exposed to double moves that leaves you exposed to man beaters and it's something that the Chiefs should expect to see plenty of even if they are rotating you know playing out of too high rotating into some of that stuff they're still going to see plenty of man dan quinn wants to get physical wants to play some man defense against these guys we've seen what's happened uh, tampa bay very physical cornerbacks last year in the regular season decided that they were going to play man tyree kill torched them early i'm not calling that that's going to happen again necessarily but this is a situation that's primed for some of those bust-type plays for the secondary, just as well as Patrick Mahomes underthrowing a route like he admitted he did to Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams jumped in front of that, stole it, mossed John Abram there in the end zone. That's probably not going to be the case against this Cowboys team. They're going to fight to the ball a lot harder. They're going to fight through the hands of the receiver a lot harder. Play again, the play that McCole Hardman didn't necessarily fight super hard to get to the ball, you know, that was almost an interception last week. That's something that they will almost certainly come down with for the Cowboys. So it, it's going to be a lot more contention. It's going to be a lot more physical, and there's going to be a lot more competition out there on the edge. It could just lead to more big plays or for either side, really. I think there's value in like discipline when playing the Chiefs the way that a lot of teams have played the Chiefs and staying and being committed to, you know, the way the teams have been playing them, forced them to drive down the field. That's going to that's going to fight a little bit of human nature for for the Cowboys for sure. Um the funny thing is uh they didn't turn Kirk Cov- they didn't they didn't pick Kirk Cousins off. They didn't pick uh they didn't pick Teddy Bridgewater off, and then they turned Matt Ryan over three times. So there's it's been a little bit more, um, it's been a little bit more kind of boomer bust in that nature the last four games. They went five straight games with two interceptions to start the season. Picked each team off twice, five straight games. So um it's I'm interested to see uh how disciplined that secondary plays because yeah, that's gonna that's, that's gonna be fun. 
Well, those are good points because I think like Craig alluded to, they came out the beginning of this year and played a little bit more too high stuff. They showed a few more different coverage shells in the back end. That allows your corners, that gives them a little bit bigger of a safety net to jump everything. They can play that aggressive style of football, which is going to lead to more turnovers. As the year's gone on, they've transitioned to a lot more of the single high stuff. It's a lot harder to constantly play aggressive and make plays on the ball when you don't have that help over the top. So what are they going to do against the Chiefs? Who knows? But I will say this. If the Chiefs are going to challenge the secondary, like you know they want to, they've been taking a few more deep shots every single game. You're going to want to take it against Dallas. I don't think that Dan Quinn's going to come out and completely abandon his roots. He's not going to come out and show you too high every single play. You want to force them to show high looks. You can do that on first down incredibly easily if you're the Chiefs. You want to come out in 12 personnel, sometimes even in 11 personnel, the Cowboys will gladly give you single high looks. The Chiefs have been getting really good options with isolating Tyree Kill on the backside of three-by-one formations. They've been getting one-on-one for both outside receivers doing that. You ever want to get those games, look for first down. Look for the Chiefs to take these shot plays on first down because that's when you can very much expect the Cowboys to come out and play this cover three kind of stuff. It's relatively predictable. That's not where Dan Quinn gets his most exotic stuff in. All right, players to watch. What we got, Craig? Well, you want to talk about the front side of that three-by-one? Let's talk about Josh Gordon and getting him the ball, getting him some targets. Uh, the, the, the guy that was very high on routes run, the, the charting of routes run this past week, um, he's getting more and more integrated in the game plan. I think when you listen to Andy Reid's presser this week, you kind of hear him talk a little bit about Josh Gordon, like it, it's coming, you know, like I, I it, it kind of sounds like, yeah, you know, it, it, you just wait, it, it, it's coming. It's there still. And I mean, obviously you look at last week, they're going to give you Travis Kelsey all game long. You just take Travis Kelsey and Darrell Williams all game long. Like that's fine. There is going to be a Josh Gordon game. And if you are going to see a lot of man coverage, and if you are going to see a lot of single high looks, you're going to need a guy that can win vertically, can create space to the boundary, give your quarterback a chance to throw some of these go balls and make it a little more higher percentage for you. That's where Josh Gordon thrives. So I got my eyes on him. I've got my eyes on him maybe getting a couple deep shots this week and taking advantage of a coverage that benefits him and Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to stick with the pass catcher, but one that operates in a different part of the field than Josh Gordon. I'm going to go with Noah Gray. Coming off of the game where he scores his first touchdown, I feel like this could be uh, you know, the, the beginning of the ramp-up for Noah Gray. I think we've seen it these last couple weeks with Byron Pringle. that He became the wide receiver that got the most passing uh, reps this past week. I think Noah Gray could be trending up now, and this is a good game to do it. Like I just talked about, you want to force the Cowboys into playing single high stuff. An easy way to do that is to show quote-unquote heavier packages, putting Noah Gray out there, who's coming along as a blocker along with Travis Kelsey, so that gives you the run threat. This is going to force either Micah Parsons to play in coverage, which he's an athlete, but he's not particularly skilled in coverage yet, or Leighton Van Der Esch or Donovan Wills, like all these different guys that are not great in coverage. I like that matchup with Noah Gray. I think the Chiefs can do a lot of out of 12 personnel this week, and if they're going to pay extra attention to Kelsey, someone's going to be open out there somewhere. Craig, I like the Josh Gordon call because I 100% agree. Like, I think his time's coming. Uh, I think he's the guy with the most upside and ceiling potential for someone to to really take a, you know, um, a stranglehold of, of you know, uh, that third kind of that option in the offense. 
I kind of wonder if we're going to continue to see, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see a lot of, you know, high variance between, you know, a lot of these, you know, the Byron Pringles, the Demarcus Robinsons, and also the McCole Hardmans. And this is my guy to watch this week, not necessarily from an on the field topic, but more, I'm curious to see if the usage that everybody blew up this week is a trend because he spent a lot less time on the field, a lot less time running routes this week than Demarcus Robinson, than Byron Pringle, than Josh Gordon. So is this a singular week or is this a blip or is this a trend in we are going to use him this way and this is about it? Because I think that's pretty telling and that's a very fascinating storyline, I think, for the rest of the year for me. All right, let's talk defense. Let's do this. Um, okay, so we you know the defense, like there's some definite playmakers. There's, you know, I, I don't know if they're the most well-rounded, you know, unit in the National Football League offensively for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I love the audible laugh from Greg. They got dudes. Ugh. Yeah. Um, listen, the, they have an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> their weapons. Amari Cooper, oh, Michael Gallup, uh, CD Lamb. Uh, that's your starting three. Dalton Schultz has been quietly one of the best you know, first down converting tight ends in the league operating. And when you've got those guys that are out there spreading the field, yeah, it's no wonder that that's happening. Oh, yeah. And then they got Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard that they can just continually rotate and just dominate you on the ground. There is uh, – they have poison pills all over this offense. There is no good way to sit down and say, okay, well, we're going to line up. We're going to stop the run. If the Chiefs try and do that, what you're probably going to see is more of what you saw like against the Tennessee Titans where they able to just continually win through the air. They were taking advantage of the Chiefs run blitzing a lot. You know, I would expect that out of Dallas. Simultaneously, if you sit back in coverage, well, then you've got Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in space. And we know how that's gone, you know, historically, not just this year, but in the past couple of years with teams just being able to run the ball like crazy. It is a crazy amount of weapons. And Dak Prescott will have a crazy amount of choices, just like our friends at McAdoodles have a crazy amount of choices on their shelves for the best prices. And oh, yeah. They're going to have recommendations for you. If you go into a McAdoodles, and I've done this many times, you go in there and you say, hey, I like this, I like this, or I like this. You know what they do with that information? They give you an educated opinion. The people in there know exactly what they're talking about, and they're going to give you something that you can trust. I have with confidence bought so many bottles of alcohol from McAdoodles that were spot on exactly what I wanted. So get in there, get what you want if you're a consumer. And if you're a franchisee, you got to get a hold of my man, Roger, info at macadoodles.com, because all these consumers want all of this business and want this plethora of choices in their neck of the woods. So for the first time, I think it's kind of has to, everyone has to agree the Cowboys' number one receiving option is no—it's no longer debate. It's C.D. Lamb. He is a better football player than Mari Cooper is. He's better. He's operating better on all three levels. Now I know Cooper's dealing with a little bit of a hamstring injury, and he's still 
a very good wide receiver. Don't get me wrong, but CD lamb is the stud. CD lamb is the best player of this receiving group. And Dak Prescott treats him as such. That's where he goes to when they need a big play. That's his safety net. He operates a ton out of the slot for the chiefs. That's pretty good news. That's where their best cover player is going to align the majority of the time. That's where you can get the extra help from the Tyron Matthews, Dan Sorensen's, whoever is going to be rolling down or playing in the middle of that field. So not that it's not that the Chiefs are going to shut them down, but you feel decent about that. The issue to me comes in, this is a team that will take those isolated one-on-one shots to your outside corners. They will challenge Rashad Fitton. They will challenge Charvarius Ward with Amari Cooper. With Michael Gallup is back now. Like I think people are kind of forgetting how good Michael Gallup actually is. Even if he's not playing, Cedric Wilson has been no slouch as a fourth Mm -hmm. receiver, especially getting vertical. This is a team that if you do get beat by a step, Dak Prescott will see it and he will challenge you. So like you're this secondary has to be on their A game all across the board. And you can't dedicate help to just CD Lamb. Is if those outside guys get cooking, the help has to be everywhere. So that's what makes it really hard. Oh, and in case you do get all that covered, their running backs have like a combined 70 targets and they're really darn good turning these targets into a good chunk of yards. And then the quarterback is as playing as good as any other in the league right now. This offense is absolutely stacked right now from you know the weapon standpoint. And you know, Dak loves and has a lot of success and is very good out of empty. Uh, this is a dude that can really carve you up if you spread this group out. And I am, I mean, that's that's a big problem <laughs> because they can throw five dudes onto the field in 11 personnel and present a lot of problems. They're terrifying. They're the deepest arsenal, perhaps. Well, they're, they're one of the deepest arsenals in football, um, I think. I think Tampa's. No, I'll say it. I'll say I, it. Who who can contend with Tampa. it? What you're going to say, Tampa? I think who's Tampa. the run, who's the running back that you're That's, scared of in Tampa? I, I'm, yeah, I'm not. But there you go. And, and Dalton Schultz is definitely a better receiver than any tight end in Tampa right now. So yeah. I mean, it's fair. Yeah, I mean Gronk's been hurt a lot too. Yeah, but Dak's um, a better quarterback too. So. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, but yeah, so th- that's a group out of empty. It could it could be really problematic. It could be really problematic. Uh, that's one of the things I've been thinking about. Um, okay, so Craig, point blank, do you blitz this team or do you not blitz them? What are you doing? Oh hell no! <laughs> I'm blitzing this team. <laughs> Dak Prescott is amazing against the blitz. He is he's handled it really really well, especially zero blitzing. Like I know that that's the the topic du jour right now because the Chiefs did it to Jordan Love. Miami did it to Baltimore last week. Like it's starting to become a thing where people are like, well, maybe teams should start zero blitz and some more. Please do not do that against Dak Prescott for the love of God. Now he, they deal really well with pressure, with extra rushers. They pick things up. Dak is a very quick processor. He's got the athleticism to escape and he's got the different arm angles to throw around blitzers. He just processes the blitz ridiculously well now steve spagnolo gets in his comfort zone when he's able to blitz and when he's able to do a lot of that stuff so this is actually a contrast of styles a little bit now steve spagnolo didn't blitz the las vegas raiders a whole lot last week about 13 percent you know after coming off a 50 percent blitz rate against green bay so he does know how to throttle down a little bit but that therein lies the dilemma 
you still got a pressure deck. You've got to speed him up somehow. You've got to make him a little bit inaccurate because these weapons will get open, especially late in the route. They will get open. You've got to take away some of that. You've got to get pressure on him without blitzing. So it's going to come down to the four-man rush. Frank Clark, Chris Jones, Jaron Reed, Derek Naughty. That's right, I said it. Elite pass rushing talent along the front lines there. They got to get home this week because I have a feeling that Steve Spagnolo is not going to send the house as much as we've seen. He's going to pull back a little bit, try and flood coverage, and those guys up front have to win. They just have to win, and they got to win quickly enough to protect the cornerbacks against this elite group of talent. And Dyke, Dak Prescott against the Blitz is, is really funny because his completion percentage goes down when he's blitzed. His yards per attempt goes down, but it's the touchdowns. He has 15 touchdowns when blitzed this year. And yeah, he's throwing a few more interceptions, but he's just lighting blitzes up. He does it a really good job of getting the ball out quickly. I think that's the big thing. He's His pressure percentage, when blitzed, his pressure percentage, the amount of times he's pressured, goes down when blitzed from when he's not blitzed because he sees it so well. He processes the field. He knows where the hole is going to be. So a lot of the stuff that you get is he's getting the ball out quick behind the blitz and letting these excellent weapons that we just talked about go make the plays. So like I think there is some value to blitzing the Cowboys in certain situations, but you have to live with the fact that Dak Prescott is likely going to beat you from time to time. Hopefully, when they call it up, hopefully it's well-disguised blitzes. Hopefully it's stuff that catches them off guard because there is some success to be had there. Dak Prescott isn't the most mobile quarterback. He's not going to move around and then force a, you know, a deep shot for a touchdown against the blitz. That's not his game, but he will pick it apart if he has any inclination that it's coming. So it's going to be all about mind games and bringing it from the right spots at the right times. And if all else, all else fails, I agree with Craig. Just just play coverage, force them to go up and down and make no mistakes. I think you almost treat this team like you treat the Kansas City Chiefs. The issue is Prescott's plenty happy being patient. He's plenty yeah. happy paper cutting you. So it gets a little dicey, but I just think that's the the least risky way to play. He's super- oh, and they'll run the ball too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, by the way, they can do that. We should get to that at some point in time. They uh <laughs> Yeah, he he's really good in the short to intermediate, really decisive anticipation. And then we'll throw those rail shots, those outside, those outside throws. We'll give some guys outside the numbers some chances. Like there's a lot there. He's just he's a fun, he's fun to watch. Like in I, I know this is gonna sound weird because we don't get a ton of NFC games and like Dax missed a few games. Just enjoy watching him play. It's gonna be like he's good. He's really good. I don't say this about I just really liked I really like Dak Prescott. Um, so enjoy watching him, even though, which it's is gonna, funny because yeah. Kent usually doesn't like robotic quarterbacks. And I think that's Dak Prescott. No, to a T. I think, I think they're I, maybe not from a, you know, maybe, maybe from not from a mechanical perspective all the time, but man, that dude's got so much anticipation. Like he's <laughs> such a quick processor. That's not a robot. That's like that, that anticipation, that ability to get the ball out of his hands. Like that's like, and do it well and quickly and athletically. That's not robotic. That's not Kirk. Very high elbows. They're perfectly fine elbows. Uh, a lot of two-way reads. The Chiefs are going to have to deal with Maddie. This is the problem. Like we we barely mentioned it, but the Dallas Cowboys can now run the football and they can do it relatively well. Everybody has kind of written off Ezekiel Elliott after like the second week of the season, where they saw him like slightly slip and not run through a defender for a touchdown, and everyone wanted to write him off. 
I, I think those people stopped watching the Cowboys after that point in time or something. Ezekiel Elliott's been really good. He clearly looks like he cares a little bit more about football this year. Tony Pollard gives that speed element, that kind of horizontal stretch aspect to the run game. So this Cowboys team can run the ball if it's going to be there over and over again. And as we kind of discovered early in the year, that's where the Chiefs have struggled the most defensively. When these linebackers and safeties have to key, is it a run or is it a pass, and then carry out their assignment, they have played a little bit slower. They have gotten a little bit on their heels and not been as quick to get to stuff. These last few weeks, as the defense has kind of been turning a corner, I think they've eliminated that. They've faced a couple one-dimensional offenses. The, they have got out to an early lead against the Raiders. So the Raiders running wasn't an issue at all. They didn't have to worry about that. I just think this is the first time they're going to be facing a true kind of two-way attack offense. And it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it. Because early in the year, it was really bad. But they're playing so much better now. Is that simply going to override it? Is that front defensive line going to dominate again and let everybody else play fast? Or is everyone going to be stuck in mud again? It's up in the air at this point in time, but this is definitely the biggest challenge they've seen over this stretch. Yeah. And like, I don't think that like the, 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 the Cowboys offensive line is good. It's not the Cowboys offensive line from four years ago. So like they are still, there's still some quality players up front. They're a little bit aging. We'll see if Tyron Smith actually plays, but I just assume like I I I'd play I'd play pass a lot more. Like I would be prioritizing that a lot more. And I know like that's that's a scary proposition, you know, because I do still think that this group can run block extremely well, but I think I'm still trying to play pass and, and make them drive down the field the same way that you know teams have been doing it for the Chiefs. Uh, and so putting yourself and dictating that a little bit more to yourself to take some of the guesswork out of it for yourself, I think in, in simplifying some regard in that, that's what I do. Don't think that's going to happen though. That's just, that's just what I would do. <laughs> I, the matchup of the day is Derek Nowdy against Zach Martin. And you think I'm joking, but that, that actually is going to be one of the big matchups of the day. Derek Nottie can hold his own and reset the line of scrimmage in some of the ways that we've seen over the past three weeks. That certainly helps. It slows things down. You know, the, the linebackers are, are, you know, being a little more patient at the second level rather than triggering downhill so quickly. Derek Nottie disrupting, forcing some cutbacks, things like that, allow the linebackers to late fill and flow and get to the ball carrier without giving up so many yards. But you see a guy like Zach Martin dominating a Chris Jones, a Jaron Reed, a Derek Naughty. It's going to be a long day. I really do think so. And because they are more than content to line up and run the ball if the Chiefs are willing to give it to them all day. So if you see those linebackers, you know, a little more pass oriented and gaining depth a little quicker, then you're going to see this team, this Dallas Cowboys team, hand the ball off a lot. Conversely, you see those Chiefs linebackers triggering downhill, run blitzing, trying to fill gaps quickly, get to those running backs early. Guess what? They're going to take full advantage of that as well. So this is this is a really, really difficult matchup for the Chiefs linebacker. It's really hard to play linebacker in the NFL. It's even harder when you can get beat as soundly in both facets of the game, the way that the Cowboys can bring it. If I set the over-under at two and a half catches that C.D. Lamb has over the second level of this defense in the middle of the field. In the first uh, quarter? Over. <laughs> over. That he, eats, did that, he eats there. And Dak is so good over, over linebackers on big to, uh, routes. 
Yeah, I mean, he's what they uh, our buddies Nate Tice, Michael Kiss call him a power slot. That just that big dude that that wins out of the slot like that. Just yeah, he's he's gonna eat if those linebackers are triggering triggering downhill. All right, players to watch. Yeah, my players to watch. I didn't mention him in the pass rushers, but he has been very good for this team. Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram, since he got to Kansas City, has not only just shown up and rushed the passer well, he's made his presence really well felt in the run game. He is getting a lot more base looks. He's getting some nickel looks on the edge, and he's making his presence felt. Where I'm looking for Melvin Ingram to really do some damage is what they've been doing on these dime downs. The Chiefs can get there. You know, we're talking a lot about how dynamic this offense is. The Chiefs can get there in some of these dime looks. Melvin Ingram kind of lurking and floating as a stand-up rusher, maybe showing some late looks, transferring to the other side of the defensive tackle right before the snap just to confuse some protections. That's where the Chiefs have found some success. You've gotten some good one-on-one matchups for some of your interior defenders, even Chris Jones, a guy that you should double on every play because they're moving protections and shifting things right before the the play kicks off and Melvin Ingram is dynamic enough to still win that way, they've gotten some advantageous looks for some guys on the inside. So I think that Melvin Ingram might be a little bit more of a weapon this week if they can get to those downs, but he's certainly going to be a presence out on the edge on some of the early downs. The guy for me to watch, and I I hope I'm not stealing Kent's guy because I'm definitely – gonna give uh I was gonna give two but I actually I've seen Kent's guy so I'm not I'm gonna be nice and like can't keep his guy I'm gonna watch Charvarius Ward and I think the whole thing centers around this the Chiefs outside corners they have to be able to hold their old one-on-one if they can't if they are gonna get beat badly one-on-one like these guys were doing early in the year like they did in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs are forced to place too high the entire time they are forced to always give help to these outside corners this game's gonna be ugly and it's gonna be ugly quick The Cowboys are averaging nearly five yards per rushing attempt. I think it's going to be hard already to get into third and long, let alone if you start giving up chunk plays on the outside. You need these outside corners to hold up one-on-one every single down. They can't be a liability. Charvarius Ward's had some really good games this year. He's also had some not great games. I don't think this is a particularly great matchup for him. I think actually Amari Cooper is a terrible matchup for Jarvarius Ward. I don't think he has the short area quickness, the speed, or the technique to really stick to Amari Cooper. His best bet is going to be to rough him up at the line of scrimmage and then hope that he can disrupt him enough. But if that's not working, it could get bad. Jarvarius Ward's going to have a lot of pressure on him to slow down Cooper, to slow down Gallup when he sees him, to allow Tyron Matthew, Dan Sorensen, these other guys to offer help to the rest of these weapons the Cowboys have. I just want to just want to point out we would have said the exact same thing about Devonte Adams too, and he held his own pretty well against Devonte Adams. So, I, yeah. let, let, Jordan Love, I know, but let's hope. <laughs> Copy and paste a lot of that, Rashad Fenton. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks, Matt. I, I almost said mine. his name. You're, you're lucky. I like actually went and looked. I was like, I you know. know what? I'll well, at least. Peace. If you, it will not surprise you. We have a rundown for this show to try to keep us all on task. And Maddie Lane is, it's like, it's, it's an upset if he actually puts a name on the players to watch or the predictions or basically anything. <laughs> it's wonderful. And you know what else is wonderful? Grubak Fine Jewelry. They need to be part of your engagement ring buying experience. If you do not go, 
and talk to Ruback Fine Jewelry if you're looking for an engagement ring, make it a mistake. I'm not just saying that. You'll you'll see the difference in a big box store versus talking to Hal, the owner of Ruback Fine Jewelry, immediately. You'll walk in after you set an appointment, and you're going to have his full attention. He's going to walk you through uh, the, the ring buying experience, you know, and 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 he's you know he's gonna he's gonna give you a lot of options because they are a custom you know custom outfit. That's the thing that people don't realize is they are a custom jeweler. You may go to a big box store and you may not have as many options. You might be able to have you know close to what you want. How can give you what you want? And he's gonna stay within your budget. He's going to ask you what your budget is, and he's not gonna try to push you beyond what you want. So. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful ring buying experience or any custom jewelry experience. Really. It's not just that, you know, push presents, uh, you know, for your, for your, uh, your, the mother of your child, you know, things like that, special occasions. It, they've dealt with a lot of different things and they've actually dealt with a lot of chiefs players over the course of, uh, of their existence too. So go to ruback.co visit with how, uh, after you schedule an appointment online, you will not regret it. I promise you. All right. Prediction times. What we got here, Craig? Oh, man. I went back and forth on this one. I really did. I do think that there's going to be points on the board. I think the Chiefs are going to call a good football game on the offensive side of the ball. I think you're going to see some explosive plays. Like I think that we're going to actually see some this week, and I think that points will be put on the board. Unfortunately, I can say the same about the Cowboys. And this isn't me even predicting a regression by the defense. Defense could play well in this game and still give up a fair amount of points. So I went back and forth on this one. It's 38-34. Going Chiefs. But man, I I was reluctant. I almost picked a loss for the first time since KCSN started, you guys. Almost. It was close. Touch and go. Uh, that would have been bad to do. I, we're uh, all I, very looking forward to finding Maddie's prediction along live with you guys all right now. All right, so everybody's ready for this. Nobody knows what this is about to be. Uh, I think the Chiefs come out, and I think they're going to get a real – I do think the Cowboys are going to play a lot more single high coverage than most teams have played this year. Not the Raiders. I, I think it will be somewhere between what the Raiders have done and most other teams. I think the Chiefs will be able to take advantage of it. I think they hit a couple of these shot plays. They put points on the board. They get some explosive plays because they're really close. Defensively, I think the Cowboys are willing to give up big plays if they're trying to force turnovers. On the other side, I think the Chiefs have more defensive talent than the Cowboys do, especially given the Cowboys' injuries. I think that's a more talented unit on the Chiefs' defensive side of the ball. The issue is the Cowboys have more talent on their offensive side of their football. They do. Simply put, they are a better offense than the Chiefs are right now. You can get into the scheme stuff all you want and how much that matters, but I don't think the Chiefs' scheme has been great this year. I think I would take the Cowboys' offense over the Chiefs, and because of that, I'm taking the Cowboys' 35, Chiefs' 31. I am predicting a loss because I simply think the Cowboys have a better offense, and that's the side of the football that matters more. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Look, we started a hashtag no-loss-November three weeks ago. And the Chiefs are 3-0, and and they're on the doorstep. And I have maintained that if they sweep November, we all get to go back to being insufferable Super Bowl contenders, fans of the soon-to-be world champion Kansas City Chiefs. We start going out and being just bonkers ridiculous like we were last year leading up to the Super Bowl. I am not 
about to predict that existence not occurring. I am, I am believing because we saw a sign. We saw a pulse last last week. We saw a big pulse. We saw complimentary fo- uh, football. We saw really good play calling. We saw a complete performance that we've been craving from this team for pretty much the entire season. Actually, it was the entire season. The Chiefs have failed every big test that they've had this year. They've, t- they've failed big tests against legitimate teams that are contenders to win the Super Bowl. This is their last one for the remainder of the season. They must win this game for me to feel good about the remainder of the year, and I expect them to. I expect us all to be puffing our chest on the KCSN post-game show celebrating a 34-30 win for your Kansas City Chiefs back on track, big momentum heading into the bye. We all get to take a breath, relax, sit back, and watch a bunch of non-Super Bowl contenders play in the bye week. I will talk to you after a Kansas City Chiefs win to close out no loss November. Technically, you'll talk to them at halftime. And halftime. Really killed the vibe. Wow. That's my goal.